0: entrepreneur. So I believe in investing in people. Um, okay. So if, um, if I'm, if I'm looking at a business opportunity, the first thing I'm doing is talking to that entrepreneur and I'm watching for who they are. I'm learning about what their history was, whether if they've started other businesses before, maybe if they haven't started a business before, are they an expert in the craft that they're looking to launch that new business in. So that's gonna be key to me, you know, is that identifying that expertise. If they have not started a business before, like let's say this is their first venture, but they're an expert yeah. in that craft, I'm gonna look for them to have a co-founder because I want someone who's failed at something before. To quite frankly, I, I want someone, <laughs> because who's starting a business
1: Hi, this is Tad Mondo. I understand that entrepreneurship can be difficult and stressful sometimes. I decided to make it less stressful and less complicated by creating different courses that can help you succeed in business. In the courses, we discuss topics such as raising money for your first business, finding mentors, how to overcome rejection in business, how to use social media to find business partners, and customers and other people that can help your business. We discuss a lot of important entrepreneurship topics. The link to the courses is available in each and every podcast description. I hope my courses will be helpful and good luck in all your business endeavors. Welcome to Making in Africa podcast. I'm your host, Tad Mondo. Today we have a special guest, Asif Thomas. Asaf Thomas is the founder and CEO of Naya Labs. How are you doing today, Asaf? I'm
0: wonderful, Ty. Thank you so much for having me on. And uh, first, I just want to say I really appreciate
1: uh, this podcast, appreciate the work that you're doing. It's phenomenal stuff. Thank you. Thank you for that, man. I appreciate it. So I understand that uh, Naya Labs offers IT services and solutions to startups. Early stage companies rely on uh, Naya Labs to develop web and mobile applications. Now, Naya Labs also uh, helps businesses with outsourcing software uh, development needs. But I would really want to hear from you what uh, Naya Labs actually do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Naya, Naya Labs was actually spawned from my personal experience
0: as a, a non-technical uh, entrepreneur or non-technical, you know, not knowing how to build you know everything from my first website to building uh, technologies that I needed to leverage within my company to help us grow. Yeah, um, I those frustrations led me to building a team of developers, and where we focused on building web applications and mobile applications that are really designed to help uh, businesses become more efficient. So think about project management tools or CRMs to manage the the leads that are coming through the different marketing funnels for a business. You know, we started to focus <laughs> on those things to help companies succeed.
1: Interesting. So how do how did you fund your business? Where did you get the capital to start your business? it's uh, very interesting. Um so I started my my
0: first company, and it, it leads into how Naya Labs got started. My first company was launched back in 2011. Um, it was a digital marketing agency, and that company cash flowed very well. I was making you know, a lot. So after the expenses of the business, I was making a lot of disposable income, which allowed me to invest in a lot of different other things. So I invested in other early stage companies, and okay. then I invested... And then I also invested in my own projects or other initiatives that I wanted to, you know, partake in in order to diversify. So really, I've, you know, I've bootstrapped it, you know, most of my life, which is, you know, just using the revenue from other businesses to funnel into building Naya Labs. And, you know, when you talk about the, the startup costs for that particular business, it, it wasn't, you know, highly, besides uh, Hiring contractors and hiring uh, my CTO, and um, it's not a very cash-intensive business. We can fund it based on, um, you know, the projects that we're doing. It can be on a project-by-project basis to
1: kind of mitigate some of the costs. Interesting. And so I understand that uh, your business helps with outsourcing software development needs. So, like, if I have a company here, and you know, I'm not really pretty familiar with outsourcing any of my business. Sure. Needs, how How safe and secure is, it is? Because I understand that you work with the uh, with countries and in the in, in third world countries. So, I want to know, like, you know, how can how can I trust NIA Labs uh, to handle that for me in a secure That's way? That's a great
0: question. That's a great question. And so, specifically, when usually when people think of technology outsourcing, the first place that comes to mind is India. Um, okay. And yeah, that's typically what comes to mind for a lot of and you know, they've done a that country and the, the developers there have done a great job branding themselves and doing um, the work to you know, continually drive new business there. But I wanted to, so I'm originally from West Africa, Liberia. Oh. I, oh, okay. I, I, I personally knew about, you know, the, the wealth of uh, development talent that are in countries like you know, throughout West Africa, East Africa, and even South Africa, across the continent. uh, There's so much, you know, development talent, but not enough opportunities, I felt, coming from the U.S. or coming from other first world countries, going to those markets. Um, And so I really saw an opportunity to to build sort of a niche, um, utilize my networks in countries like Ghana, Nigeria, and Kenya, to build a team of software engineers um, they're extremely competent and, and trained in what they do and focused on supporting entrepreneurs here uh, in the States. So when you talk about um, how can you trust, that, that was actually one of our main focuses. We have what's called an onshore, offshore model. What that means is onshore in the U.S., we, we have a team here in the U.S. that focuses on business development, and project management. So we work directly with the clients here in country. Um, we're on in their time zones. Um, we focus on building the architecture and framework for the software that we end up building for them. But then yeah. we that that work is coded or implemented by uh, developers on the African continent. And that that model tends to work very well because our clients here has the trust. Of working with a a competent um, project manager in their own country um, that they trust, but then also they get the um, the benefits of the uh, of the, the value of the, the cost structure not being yeah. as high as it is in the states. So they get the value of you know getting a more affordable uh, product
1: um, for for their initiatives. Interesting. I, I'm glad that you mentioned that. So, what if I have a great product or service and need help with developing software and apps for my business, but I have no money? So, does Naya Labs have any ways of going around that? Or you guys would just tell me, like, you need a certain amount for you to start working on my project or to be involved in my project? Uh, how, how, how do you guys work?
0: Yeah, so we are a for profit company. So, obviously, we can't be in the business of taking on projects that do not make us money. That said, yeah. um, I'm a, you know, at the at the heart, I'm a serial entrepreneur and, a, you know, and an impact investor. So I'm always, I like, I, I love the entrepreneurial journey, right? Yeah. And for me, I do this with the framework in mind to eventually start to be able to a piece of our business that we dedicate to Towards investing in other entrepreneurs who may not have the capital to build the technology that they're looking to build, but, uh-huh. but maybe they're looking to you know so partner with an organization that has the the um, the talent to build the technologies. We build the technology for them, and for in exchange for that, we get a percentage of the uh, of the equity in their company. That is not something that we're doing today. Today, okay. We, Today is strictly um, you know, paying for service and for cost, but that is a, a model that I have in mind for the long term, because one of the reasons you know, I built this company is to be um, of a, a real value to the entrepreneurs that are just starting out and, and can't uh,
1: launch their products. I get you. So why did you become an entrepreneur well, what made you say like, okay, I think I want to be a business owner. I don't like this idea of the nine to five journey. So, why did you uh, embark on this journey, entrepreneurship journey?
0: Yeah, you know, it um, it was definitely the journey is the perfect word because for me it was definitely a journey. Um, coming yeah. out of uh, coming out of undergrad, you know, I thought I wanted to be a stockbroker. So, oh. you know, I I I, I, uh, I went interned with. Um, with a firm, and uh, I realized that it was basically a glorified sales position, and I didn't feel like I was building anything. So, I, you know, transitioned out of that, and you know, I, I, you know, I went on, became a, you know, I did financial advising for a while, but you know, it, it wasn't um, it wasn't fulfilling for me um, uh-huh. at the time, and so. I, I, in my journey, I in the early stages, I really struggled to find my way in terms of what I wanted to do. I know I always wanted to go out on my own, but it was about understanding. All right, what were, what were my passions and what were things that i i enjoyed um, I enjoyed doing what things I I got um, uh, real value from. Um, and it wasn't until I was fired from one of the, the marketing agencies that I worked at. <laughs> Why the did head. they fire you? <laughs> yeah, it was around 20. It was two, 2011, coming out of uh, the uh, the big recession. Um, oh, okay. The, uh, the big recession, and uh, my division at the agency was new. I was brought okay. on to to. So it was a digital marketing agency, and I was brought on to to bring. They focused on really political campaigns like uh doing the the digital marketing for a lot of political campaigns and my okay. division i was brought on to head a new division which was focused on insurance and finance uh bringing yeah. on those types of clients and so there was a when you're building a new division there's a lot of funding that goes into that new division and when that new recession hit it was like okay we can't fund this division like we initially thought we would and so we've got a downsides. And that was the conversation, uh, you know, that I had with the with the owner of the company at that time. And to me, I was like, you know what? This is my opportunity to go out on my own. So instead of we were I remember being in that meeting um, with, that, with the owner of that company and uh, he and I had a great relationship. And he was like, listen, I want to make sure you leave here on good terms. I got a nice severance package laid out. For okay. you going to be straight. And I'm like, no. Skip the screw, screw this, screw the severance package. Let yeah. me, let me get uh, two. I had I brought on like, there were two like um, really good clients that I brought on um, uh-huh. toward my end, the end of my tenure there. And I was like, you know, let me take those clients. I'll walk away clean. I'll take those clients and I'll go off and start my own company. And I was able wow. to, nego- yeah, I was able to negotiate that type of arrangement. And, you know, those two clients became a pillar of the first company that I built. Um, And I never looked. And, you know, for me, I I, look
1: at, I look at work. Go ahead. Oh, okay. No, I was about to say, like, I like your approach on that. Like, you know, instead of you just going to start a new thing without having clients, you decided to, you know, to get clients first before going on and starting your journey without having anything on the ground. So you had a foundation, you had one or two people to start with. Yeah. So I think that was really brilliant that we thought of that. Cause some other people now, some people just take that paycheck as you were saying, like, you know, you're like, screw that. I don't want to take that. had <laughs> yeah, The confidence to say like, I want to take these two people and start building on, on those two people. So that's really brilliant, man.
0: Yeah. So, and you know what? It was a blessing
1: getting fired
0: because I, it, you know, two years, three years before that I told myself, you know, I got to go off on my own. Yeah, but, it, yeah. you know, I'm making this good salary. I, I can't, you know, I can't leave now. Like, you know, yeah. I got this going on, this going on. And when the rug is pulled from under you, you're like, all right, this is my time. This, you know, I am I going to go out and find another job when I know, like, I, I want to try my hand at entrepreneurship? You know, yeah. this was the time. And for me, the only barrier, real barrier that I saw was having, I just needed, you know, to have a client, clients on board that believed in what I was doing or if I could get my mindset is if I could have one or two clients that I was servicing that believed in what I was doing, then I had the confidence to go out there and get more of them. So, you know, when yeah. I was able to, when I was able to secure those two clients, it really gave me uh, confidence to go out and build the business.
1: I like that. And, you know, you mentioned one thing that's, uh, that stood out to me is that uh, you were fired. But being an entrepreneur, I like being an entrepreneur because... I know my job is always there every day because when I used to have a nine to five, my heart was always beating fast every day. Like, okay, are they going to tell me like, we don't need you anymore today? Or are they going to tell me like, Oh, this company just bought us out. Your position doesn't exist anymore. You have, you don't have control. So I'm a person who likes to have more control on what I'm doing and on my life. That's why the nine to five wasn't really the path that I, I wanted to take. But with this saying that I have to move on to the next question. Uh, we may have African developers listening to this uh, podcast. So what the, what's the process of Naya Labs that you use to hire African developers? Do they just go to your website? Uh, like, how do you guys find talent and how do yeah, you screen that, them as well? No,
0: that's a, that's a really great question. We, we try to be as intentional as possible as not just developers from a technical skill point, uh, yeah. standpoint, but also from a soft skills standpoint. So our developers need to have... You know, great communication. They need to be super reliable, um, uh-huh. and they just need to be able to to work within a with, within our milestones. Because we set standards. You know, with our 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 clients expect work at a certain standard because we provide that level of service. And so, when we when we when we're bringing on a new uh, developer, or we we're anticipating a, a prospective developer. It's about identifying their soft skills. Okay. But before we get to the soft skills, obviously, so my CTO focuses on doing, he he develops a a bunch of different assessments for front-end and back-end developers. So depending on where they are, um, he'll give them a particular assessment to identify, okay, how strong they are at their craft. Okay. The coding language we focus on is called React and React Native. So, yeah. And then for the back end, we focus on Node. So a lot of the assessments are done in those programming languages. And depending on how they do and that first assessment will lead them to the next phase, which is an interview with me and the CTO together where we get to you know, talk more in depth about what their experiences are, are like. We look at their GitHub experience or so look at what they've already done on GitHub. Yeah. And uh, we identify, you know, what type of work they've done, and if we appreciate the work that they're, they're doing. If they pass that that phase, then we we identify a um, a what we call it like a contract basis. We identify a small segment of an existing project that they can come hmm. and and work on on a trial basis. So we test them out about. You know, 50 hours to work on a uh, on a particular a piece of a of a larger project. And is that paid? How, yes, it is paid. Oh, okay. And de- yeah, depending on how they do on that initial trial project. Yeah. Where we look to move on from there and actually, you know, make them a lead developer or a senior developer. You know, on another on another project. I should mention that. We focus on hiring senior-level developers. We, oh, okay. do hi- we do hire junior-level developers as well, but yeah. junior-level developers require more oversight and more hand handholding. Uh, so right now we're focused on senior-level devs. That's developers that have, you know,
1: five plus years experience, you know, on a on a particular coding language. So does Niall lab uh, have a cap on the amount of people that you hire each year or how, how does that process go by? Do you, so right are you always guys today, hiring?
0: Yeah. Right, right now our, um, our team is 12 developers um, on the, on the continent and a team of four, um, uh, three executives and one admin here in the, in the U um, oh, okay. S so 16 of us total. Um, mm-hmm. we, we are looking to scale, but it's one of those uh, when you're building for us, it's about scaling up the demand first—the demand of, you know, projects and clients—and we're focused. As especially as we move into 2020, we're focused on, you know, uh, you know, our customer acquisition initiatives and acquiring new yeah. clients, so we can have the ability to hire more developers. Right now, I would say we're we, we're probably looking for about two to three more senior-level developers. Developers. Um, yeah. But we want to be at the ability to scale to at least five times where we are right now. So we're looking to make a big push in 2020 to be at at least, you know, 60 developers on the continent that are working on
1: projects that we have. Wow. That's amazing, man. I like that. And I like that you figured out a great way to create employment on the African continent. So I, I just want to know, like if any African government tried to help you with any of your projects or to reach out to you, or if you tried to reach out to them and let them know like, you know, are uh, you working on this amazing project or you have this amazing company that's creating employment on the continent. So uh, yeah. how, how how's know, that? Yeah, that's,
0: that's a great question. Um,
1: I, I would say I,
0: I'm, uh, because I, I think I've been such a corporate-minded or a for-profit-minded guy, I tend to not look at you know the, the partnerships that exist in government. But, hey, I'm on this podcast now. Anyone listening that sees opportunities there for me to align with different uh, governments on the continent, I'm definitely game for that. It's, um, it's an avenue that I have not um, explored uh, so far, oh. but, but it's something oh. that I would definitely –
1: um, like to explore,
0: okay. explore more. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I know that, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, uh, non-profit organizations back in Africa, uh, that do, like, uh, like the USA, they, or, or even yeah. like the American Embassy, I remember, in Zimbabwe. They have, like, uh, they have like, uh, uh, like grants that they give to entrepreneurs that are making an impact on society. So you just have to make, it's just a simple application and then, you know, you just tell them what you're working on. And they're, they're yeah. more than happy to assist in any way they can. So I don't know if you're familiar with that as well. Okay, no, I'm not. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's other thing is that you can explore. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Sometimes I, 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 I don't know. I've, I've had the mindset that you got to work for what you, what you want. Sometimes those filling out just an application that's too good to be true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I get but, you. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I no, get those you. Are definitely certain opportunities
1: exist within those arenas. But um, uh, yeah, okay. I just have not explored them.
0: Um, uh, as I get
1: you. Yeah. I get yeah. you. So you, you mentioned about scaling your business that you're not planning to scale unless, you know, your, 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 your strategy is having more customers on board before scaling. So, right. so I'm just going to give a scenario where you're going to get more customers. Do you plan to scale into more African countries or you're just going to build your business in those uh, few African countries that you're in? Once you have like a solid foundation, that's when you're going to focus on getting into other African countries.
0: Um, uh, when you talk about scale, scale, um, we're looking at scaling our and scaling our our customers, our customers, Uh, so our customers, our clients are here in the U S so in terms of, so in terms of scaling customers, we're focused on, you know, hiring more business developers doing more, um, more branding, creating more content that showcases our our levels of expertise and positions us as thought leaders within the space. but yeah. when we look at scaling our development team, certainly um, we're thinking of more countries. Um, you know, we started in Kenya, Nigeria, and Ghana because those just seem well; those were markets where I, I had um, existing relationships and connections, and were able to get in and navigate, build the partnerships I needed. But I'm certainly, yeah. there, are, there are a lot of markets that come to mind um, that I know that you know, are doing um, a lot of great things technically um, that we certainly want to get in. Um, okay. But I think, yeah, I, I certainly think that it, um, we, we need to be strategic about how we do it. And it's about making sure we have the proper relationships on ground um, to be able to
1: do it right. It makes sense what you're saying. So, what does uh, Naya Lab need to get onto the next level? What do you guys need to get onto the next level? Yeah. I, so we're as
0: we look at you, you know this coming year, the Here. focus is is uh, now our brand. You know, when I first launched Naya Labs, it was really about uh, proving out the concept, proving demand for a software development company that focused on you know, only engineers on the African continent and making sure there was, you know, demand in the U.S. for that. We've proven that there's demand for that. We're proving our clients are, you know, can, you know, pay the rates that we're looking for them to pay to make it sustainable for us. So now it's about, like, we want to be at the forefront of the narrative that says that, you know, developers on the African continent are just the shit. Like some of the best talent, some of the best development talent is on the African continent, and to work with them, you come through Niall Labs because that we really identify some of the some of the best you know uh, developers out there. So um, I would say that's our major push to get to the next level is building that, um, being at the forefront of that narrative, and building our brand around that around that
1: uh, messaging. I like what you're doing man. So for somebody like me who likes uh Naya Labs, where can you find more information on our partnerships or even if I'm just like a regular developer who's trying to get a job uh with Naya Labs? How, how 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 do I get to find more
0: information? Sure. So definitely you can check out the uh the website uh nialabs.io. um and then uh you know I'm you know I'm on uh I, you can certainly reach out Uh, To me, I'm active on LinkedIn, Um, Asafu Thomas, Asafu is A-F-A-F-U, Thomas can find me on on LinkedIn. Shoot me a message. I'm pretty uh, responsive um, to folks, um, and I like to network, so um, that's cool. But reach out to us either
1: online or to me directly on LinkedIn, and uh, yeah, we can explore opportunities. I like that. Uh, bis- outside of Naya Labs, do you have any businesses that you're working on, or you just your primary focus right now is Naya Labs?
0: My primary focus is Naya Labs.
1: That's what's making money. <laughs> That's
0: <what's> uh. <laughs> supporting my family. Um, okay, but I um, I'm also a uh, I'm a partner in a in a, a, a small angel investment group. So it's me and three other um, like-minded entrepreneurs slash investors that are really passionate. About that, we got together and we said, "Hey, we want to pull, you know, ten thousand. You we each put ten thousand dollars together, and we want to, you know, invest in you know uh, exciting opportunities that may be happening in you know various countries um, throughout the continent." So that, that group is called the Harvest, and we've just, you know, we we've kind of kind of uh, come together over the last year and a half um with that initiative but again that's more for identifying passive uh investment opportunities um so that's something i i i do and something that i'm very passionate about um you know as i established naya labs that's something i'm very
1: passionate about kind of growing more
0: is being more of a you know more of a a, an investor into other businesses on the continent. i
1: I really kinda of noticed from our conversations that you 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 really like uh investing back in the motherland. So the passion of you uh, you having that passion, is it because you were, were you born in Liberia or were you just uh your parents were Liberian and you're born in the yeah, USA? Yeah.
0: yeah, I was I was born in Liberia. Um, oh, okay. I left,
1: yeah, I left really left really young
0: and uh you know, it's crazy, haven't been back since, not for any other reason other than you know, I haven't you know, I don't have the connections in my own country on the ground. But I, I, I have more connections in like places like Ghana or, or Kenya, you know. Um, yeah. and, and so I, I, I work those and establish those connections there. But um, you know, for me, the um that's where my future is, you know. Like when I think about my future and the future of my family, I need to we like the diaspora, us here. Uh-huh. People of African descent, we, you know, we're here in these barriers. We're in the U.S. or we're in, you know, the U.K., wherever we are in Canada. You know, we have to realize that, you know, that's not where we started. That's not where our our roots are built. You know, we, we, we came here. We learned what we needed to learn. I think it's going to, we're doing ourselves, not only ourselves, our generations after us, we're doing a disservice if we're not looking at creating you know opportunities or building our creating our our roots back on the continent so for me my passion and my my future is there so
1: that's why i'm passionate about you know africa makes sense man i want to ask you a last question since you're uh, an investor what uh before investing in a company what do you look for
0: i focus on the the entrepreneur so i believe in investing in people um okay so if um if i'm If I'm looking at a business opportunity, the first thing I'm doing is talking to that entrepreneur and I'm watching for who they are. I'm learning about what their history was, whether if they've started other businesses before, maybe if they haven't started a business before, are they an expert in the craft that they're looking to launch that new business in? So that's going to be key to me, you know, is that identifying that expertise if they have not started a business before, like let's say this is their first venture, but they're an expert yeah. in that craft, I'm going to look for them to have a co-founder because I want someone who's failed at something before, to, quite frankly. I, I want someone <laughs> because who, starting a business, is uh-huh. it's not always going to be successful. Most times your first venture is not going to work out and you're going to need to pivot. And I need an entrepreneur who you knows, If I'm investing in someone, I need someone that's relentless and understands the fact that, all right, this avenue did not work. How can we pivot? What do we learn from that? And how can we continue to make this successful? So, you know, I look for resourcefulness in in the
1: people that um, I I would invest in. Okay, so would you look at a person and say like, okay, I like this person. I'm going to invest in them because I like their personality or I like the perspective they're coming from liking, like, you know, is it important to be liked by your investors? What do you think about that? Because from what I hear a lot is that, you know, you can have the worst product ever, but as long as, just depending on the product or service you're offering, as long as people like you, that's what's important. What do you, what's your take on that?
0: Uh That makes me, uh, I, I don't know if I agree with that. I do. Yeah. I do think that um, think about we're, we're we're people. Okay. So a big distinction. I don't know how the VCs do it. I'm a, yeah. you know, a, a non-professional investor, the angel investor. And, you okay. know, from my perspective, yes, I have to get to, I have to feel like I can trust that individual. And that, I guess that translates to also liking to be, to work with them. Cause you think about it, it uh, an investment is almost like a partnership. It's a marriage. Like we're yeah. going to be working together. Like you have my, my money and I want you to go make more money.
1: money. Yeah. So we
0: got to have that, an understanding and I have, we have to enjoy working with each other. But at the end of the day, it's about business. And so the, the product that you are or the business that you're launching, it needs to have, you know, return. It needs I get to, you money it needs to make money so if we look at the equation yeah the equation does include likability plus Mm -hmm. you know ability to make a
1: return equals you know an opportunity I would invest in you know nice thanks for doing this with me today Asaf Thomas I know you're busy you probably be making money right now but you decided (laughs) to come up you decided to come on my platform and, you know, no exchange the knowledge that you have. And I think you have offered a lot of value to the people, you know, that we're listening to the podcast. Any last words before we, we end the podcast? Well, I, I just want to say
0: uh, to the to listeners out there, any potential entrepreneurs that, you know, um, the process of starting your own business can be a challenge, it can be difficult, but, you know, it's important to stick, stick with it, you know. And when you think about, when you look at, maybe a, what you what some people might consider a failure in business uh-huh. look at it more as a pivot if you need if you di- if something did not succeed look at what you learned from that and and take that those lessons to build on something else so it's more of a pivot
1: rather than a failure I get you. The problem that we have is that a lot of people, we are used to getting paid at jobs. Like you do work, you get paid for it. Entrepreneurship is not like that. You can be working for three, eight years without getting any any payment from it. So a lot of people, you see that they get discouraged in their first year because they're not seeing any money coming in because they're used to, you know, having a paycheck, like, you know, I've worked, so I deserve this amount of money. But as you say, they don't understand the amount of information that you're getting from from those failures from that business you could use it you know towards building another successful business but that's right uh, i appreciate your time man so I'm, yeah thank I'm, you so much this was great
0: i